Good morning, church. It's great to be here this morning with you all. If you have your Bibles, we'll be uh, discussing this morning Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. If you have found it and you are willing and able, I would invite you to stand with me out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. Starting in verse 28, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, for your spirit. And we thank you for your gospel. And we thank you for the rest for our souls that we find in you, Jesus. Please speak to us this morning, Father. Please guide us, open our ears, and prepare our hearts. Speak, Father, for your servants are listening. You may be seated. Amen. I have been involved in youth ministry for about 10 years now, in some shape or fashion. Um, I felt my call into ministry at 14 at Fuge Camps, which is one reason why I love Fuge so much, and I take our students uh, to uh, Fuge Camps because I think it's a, I like what they do. But I also had amazing experiences there, and one of being my call into ministry. Um, from that point forward, I tried to be as involved in youth ministry as possible. I was our, uh, at the church I grew up in, First Baptist Bruton. I was the intern for my youth pastor um, at when my first year of college. Um, in college, I got involved in a church, uh, Southside Baptist Church in Troy, as their youth intern. Um, I also worked the same camp I was called in ministry. I was called, worked as a counselor there so I can be around students for two summers. Um, I was an interim youth pastor at, uh, in Greenville, Alabama for a summer before I went to seminary. And when I went to seminary, I ended up, didn't start this way, but I ended up being the youth pastor at the church plant um, I worked at. Um, I promise I'm not just going to read you my resume this morning. Um, but I want to express that the youth ministry really is something that I love so deeply. Um, and I, 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 just, I just enjoy it. It's just a fun thing. The Lord called me to it, and I, I love it. I love youth ministry so much. Um, but it is a weird job. It's a very strange job. Um, not many jobs involve uh, water balloons or pool noodles or making miners eat like gross, nasty th pig's feet and stuff I find at Walmart. Um, I don't make them. They choose to. They're just gross. Um, so what I have to do for my job is do, like most jobs, I have to do a lot of research. I just spend a lot of time delving into... Um, cult, this culture that I try and spend time in. Now, I want to make it very clear. I'm not a part of their culture. Um, I've asked. I've tried a lot. They don't want me. They've told me no. Um, but I try and understand it as best I can. Um, and one thing that, that allows me, they would disagree, but I believe I kind of have my finger on the vein sometimes about what these kids and these teenagers have, uh, have going on, right? Because I just spend a lot of time with them and I try and read and, and research. Um, and so I get a lot of questions from parents. So I figured I got a platform this morning 
Let me just go and answer a lot of frequently asked questions for the congregation, for parents, about what's going on in the lives of these students here, all right? So if you will, just allow me. The first question I get asked a lot is, what exactly, what are they saying? What are these words that they say? They say a lot of things that are confusing, okay? So for instance, um, Daniel today, after the sermon, might mention that Cole's sermon was bussin' bussin'. That means that it's really good. If it was bussin', it might just be kind of good, but if he uses it twice, it's really good, okay? Um, if it's really, really good, Will Barksdale might even say it was on point or Cole was spitting fire. That's a good, that means it's really good, all right? What's, what's the other one for you? They might, they, they, they like truth. You know, they don't want to be lied to. So you want to avoid cap. That means lie. And so you want to make sure uh, Will, uh, Will and Preston, one of these Turner kids, are saying that you're no cap. That means you don't lie. Or what they say is no cap, which means it's the truth. Okay? So now you kind of understand some of the things they say, right? All right, here's another thing I get asked a lot. Is why, why don't they answer my phone calls? I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all just got to text them. Just text them. Keep it short. No punctuation. They don't like that. I don't know why. They do not like it. And for a millennial like, like my age, we love emojis. They don't like it. No emojis. They're just... Actually, do y'all? Yeah, emoji, yeah. And then uh, the biggest one, one of the biggest ones is, why does my middle school boy wear a hoodie in the summer? And I'll tell you. I have no idea. <laughs> I have tried, I've asked, I've searched the internet, no clue. I just, that's a, one that's lost to history. Um, we just don't know. Um, but I'll tell you, really, the question, and these are fun. I love, I love talking about youth culture with parents. and um, they're, they're very mad at me right now for picking on them. So. Uh, but really, the question I get asked a lot, and, and the question I ponder the most, the one I sit with most often, is what does a Christian Gen Z teenager, what do they need to have a long-lasting and flourishing walk with the Lord? What do they need? And, and different things will tell you different things. So like, um, yes, they need community. Gen Z loves community. They, they're, they're seeking out um, a place to belong. Gen Z also likes um, genuineness. They, they like um, something to be true and honest. If, you, if you're faking something with them, uh, they can smell it from a long distance away and they, they don't like it. Okay? This is, these are generalities. I'm not necessarily speaking about anyone in particular. But um, Gen Z needs a lot of things to feel comfortable in the church and, and have a flourishing relationship with the Lord. But in my experience, and not just my experience here even, um, because I'll say this, this is a disclaimer as well. If I say anything picking on a student from here on out, these students have never done anything wrong ever in their lives. So they're perfect. I'm not talking about them. Um, but my experience both in youth ministry as a leader through my, my entire career, back, all the way back in 2013, and also my experience when I think back as being a student, what did I need as a teenager? And at the end of the day, I have found it's rest. 
students need rest. I mean, think about it. They wake up in the morning, and a lot of times they have workouts or practices or, or whatever. They go to school. They're there all day. And then they have more practice or more extracurriculars or all these other things are going on. And then they have homework. Then they need to eat dinner, spend some time with family and friends. They also got to figure out some time they can put in a walk with their Lord. So they got to read the Bible, pray, and do all this within time periods so that they can actually sleep at night. You got a lot going on. And on top of all that difficult schedule, they have teachers telling them, what are you going to be for the rest of your life? Hey, you, you better start studying for that ACT or else what you want to be, you won't be able to be. So you better study really hard. So add that into your schedule. Do test prep and get ready for these big major decisions. By the way, you can't go to the bathroom unless you ask permission. It's a weird life to be a teenager. And I found what gen- teenagers genuinely need is just a, a rest. And then I started thinking about my life now. And I've started looking around at the people around me. And I've realized the pressure really never goes away, does it? Our our schedules don't get easier. It's not like we graduate high school and go, sweet, now I can sleep in. Or we graduate college and we'll get into the workforce and go, sweet, everything's easy now. Nope, now you've got to pay taxes. That's real fun. Get that wrong, you go to jail. So that's really, really stressful. And so just like teenagers, just like Gen Z, I feel like a lot of us go without that pressure relief valve. Something, for something that is so crucial and spoken so often of in the Bible, rest, it, is gone, it goes without in our, so many of our lives. So today I wanted to highlight three ways that this passage shows us that we can find rest in Christ. It's three areas of our walk with Jesus that in themselves, they are inherently restful as we walk with Jesus. Okay, and, 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 and how we can recognize these areas so that we may dwell in the rest of Christ. And, and the first point is this, is that we find rest in discipleship. Okay, let's, let's look at our passage starting in verse 11, uh, verse, verse 28 of chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus speaking, and he has just recently been very critical of the Pharisees and the burdensomeness of the law. So Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And the first thing... I want to point out here is just how audacious of a statement this is. Because remember, the Jews, this is not new for them. They, they are familiar with rest. The Jewish culture is built around Sabbath, about finding rest in the Lord. And the whole thing that they were waiting for was the Messiah to be the one to come and give them rest. And they found rest in the Lord through the law. In fact, they would often refer to it as the yoke of the law. You put yourself in submission to the law and you would then find peace with God. So what Jesus is ultimately saying here is really a statement that only God can make. He's saying that this old system you have of getting right with God, it is burdensome and tiring. I have a new system for you that will get you... Find, you will find peace 
with God. He's saying, come to me and I will give you rest. Don't go to the law. Don't keep finding these burdens somewhere. Don't go to the Pharisees. Don't go to these old systems. Come to me. And ultimately, this is what Christ is calling us to here is is the rest we find in salvation. Because here's the thing. Sin is burdensome. We are originally designed not to have this burden or to have this brokenness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and he created us to walk with him and to uh, not have this sin. But we introduced that sin into our lives and because of that sin, we now live in brokenness. We live with striving and pain and suffering and the weight and the burden of our own sin. And so Jesus is inviting those who are listening to come to him to have rest from their sin and their burdens. It is his life that he gives to us and it is through his death that he takes our burdens away and casts them far from us. He takes our sin and separates us from them so that we may have forgiveness and eternal life and rest in him for eternity. The moment that we believe in Jesus, the moment that we place our faith in Christ and make him our Lord and Savior, we're not just given some ticket to heaven or some easy, um, simple, feel-good moment, but we are reunited with the God who created us, who loves us. Um, And because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of us and we find that rest from our burdens. But he doesn't end there. He, he calls them to salvation. He says, come find rest from your burdens. Come find rest in me. Take up my yoke and learn from me. So the invitation is not simply come here, be saved, and then you're done. But come here, be saved, and align yourself with me. Join yourself in relationship with me and walk with me. And learn from me. So in, salvation itself is inherently relational. So he says to learn from me. And it's because Jesus wants to teach us. And, but how does he teach? How does Jesus show us in scripture that he teaches? Well, he shows us his, how he, his teaching methods with his disciples. He lives with them. He spends time with them. He walks with them and guides them. You see, Jesus desires for us to learn from him and study from him, but not in the sense that we often make it. Not so much as a school teacher or a work foreman, but instead he wants to be a part of our life. And in that way, we actually find the rest we so long desire in our discipleship. So, things like reading our Bible, going to be, spending time in Christian community, praying, spiritual disciplines, even things that are sometimes difficult like fasting or scripture memory, all these things that we know about, we often can see them as burdensome in themselves and difficult and something that we actually might think of like we can, once we get this done, then we rest. 
once we kind of finish these up, I know I feel that way. But spiritual disciplines are not a list of requirements or prerequisites. If we learn anything from Jesus' teaching methods and how he wants to, us to learn from him, it's not, it's not a, a list of demands he makes for us. But instead, spiritual disciplines are how we spend time with our God. It's, it's our moments and our opportunities to be with Jesus. And see, Christ is not a foreman holding us to a certain quota. How many scriptures did you read today? How much have you memorized? Did you meet your standard? Because we're not held to that kind of standard. We're not held to a standard of production, but we are simply held to the, hold, held to the standard of love. Christ says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So we are held to the standard of love. You know, say the pulpit is a terrible confessional, but I'm going to break that rule and just confess to you all this morning. My spiritual discipline of scripture reading has been very difficult lately. And it started that way about eight months ago. (laughs) When my children were born, my quiet time in the morning plummeted. It's got a little better now that they're sleeping at night, but before it was pretty much zero. And we can all laugh because we get it, right? I'm not sleeping. I'm tired. I got no time. Twins take up a lot of my time. But there's a lot of guilt and pressure I can place on myself for saying, I haven't even read my Bible today. I hold myself to a standard, and I imagine some of us do as well. We hold ourselves to a standard and allow that pressure to build because we are feeling like we're not meeting our quota, a quota that doesn't even exist. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, Take up my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. He is gentle with us. He is kind to us. He wants us to learn from him, but not like a mean school teacher with a ruler. But he wants us to learn as we walk with him and spend time with him. And we spend time with him through these gifts he has given us of reading our scripture and praying. So how do we do these things? Well, we start small. You know, the biggest mistake you can make when you start to read your Bible? You read too much. You know, you say, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. Okay? I did that, by the way. I've read the Bible in a year. It only took me three years, but you can do it. <laughs> it's so hard to, to set these goals and sometimes hard to reach. Just read what you can. Meditate on what you can. What do you love about Christ? Meditate on that. Memorize that. And sometimes you'll do more, sometimes you do less. We have seasons in our life that ebb and flow. And Christ is understanding through it all. But just remember, we start and we end with our love of Christ. Are we loving Him and are we seeking a relationship with Him? That's what He desires. Pursue it with your best of your ability, of course, don't get me wrong. But don't place upon yourself a burdensome yoke that Christ wants, doesn't want you to have. Remember, His yoke is easy and light. The next area that we find rest is rest in our calling. He says, Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. All right. We're pretty familiar with the concept of a soul, right? 
We see it a lot in our culture. We see it a lot in TV. But I want to tell you, I just want to make sure we're clear on what it is. It's not necessarily, I mean, y'all watch cartoons? Yeah, a little bit. Tom and Jerry, when he gets hit with something, that little transparent Jerry comes up and has a halo in the wings. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not our soul. That's not what Scripture talks about as a soul. It's not some division within us. No, it's based on what Scripture and some of the Greek that I've studied. It is the inner self. It is everything that makes us us. In fact, we can see a similar word used in the Old Testament when it says that God breathed into the, the lifeless form of Adam and breathed into him life so that he would be a living creature, so that he would have a soul. It's the same word. So we see that it harkens, this idea of a soul harkens back to creation. That God made us different for a specific purpose. It's, it's, it's like hinting at our original blueprint, who we are inside. Not what we like, not, not what we've done, but who we are. So who are we and who were we created to be? We were given lots of jobs at creation, but one of the things that God did for us that was inherent, it was just, it was just for us and us only, was that we were meant to be with God. Adam and Eve would walk with God. They would spend time with God. That was what God created to them to be. They were meant to worship God. They were meant to bring glory to God. It was their role and their purpose to bring glory to God and to spend time with Him. So when we seek rest for our souls, it's not just a fancy way of saying you'll get salvation. Or, or a fancy way of saying, you'll feel really good on the inside. You'll have little butterflies and feel great. Or you'll feel peace. Of course, you, you, we feel peace with Christ at times. And Christ does, like I said, he, His initial invitation is to salvation. But I believe what is being hinted at here is that it's not just a rest of feeling, but a rest in our original being. And I believe that comes through our trust and our obedience to the calling God has in our lives. Now, not just like when I was talking about when I was 14, not just a call into ministry. Like, those are great. Those are callings. And some of you have been called into ministry, will be called into ministry, will be called to missions, will be called to whatever. But we are called to so many things. This is why Luke tells us to take up our, or Jesus, Luke records Jesus telling us to take up our cross daily and follow him because Christ and through the Holy Spirit is always guiding and directing us to step out in faith and to follow His leading. And so, to find rest for our souls, we need to be reunited with God, first through salvation in Christ, but also the more we walk in obedience, we, find, we feel that rest for our souls. Okay, let me put it this way. I, when I was in Honduras this past week, I loved it. It was a great trip. Um, I love that trip every year. I look forward to it. But this year was especially hard for me because I had babies at home. And I missed them. And I'll be honest with you, I had no rest in my heart the whole week. I was, just, I was looking at pictures constantly. Um, when they start talking back to me, I'm, that might go away. But right now, they're cute and cuddly, and I just want to be with them all the time. And so I'm constantly looking at my pictures of my babies. Um, I spent a fortune on a phone plan so I can talk to them. 
Right when we landed into Houston, I felt an immense just relief because I was back close to my children. That's the kind of feeling that we experience, and, and maybe not just a feeling, but that's what God, Christ is offering to us, is that when we are walking in line with God, we have rest for our souls. And following God's calling can be scary. It can be very terrifying to take up a cross and follow Him. Because oftentimes we can think of it as like a, a big test, like a final exam. Like we can, we have something we have to prepare for and get ready for and get ready for. I remember finals uh, in seminary and college. I would stay up all night studying. Y'all might be getting some anxiety with me, just remembering these days in school when you have to stay up all night, study, 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 and you take the final and then you crash. And then you're done and you're asleep and you're like, oh, I can find rest from this. That's not what Christ wants. Our calling is supposed to be inherently restful for us. See, God calls us to big things. He calls us to small things. And he calls us to, to in-between things. But the point of our calling is not success because God doesn't need our performance. He can do it without us. He calls us instead um, because the point is that we dwell with Him through trust and obedience. His calling in our lives is an opportunity to once again Walk with God in the cool of the day. To be with our Father again. That's what walking with God is meant to be like. So how, how do we do this? How do we answer this calling? Well, we start small. We ask Him every day to guide us. We ask Him for more faith. We just say, God, will you give me more trust, more ability to have faith, more obedience? And we ask Him to guide us and we ask him that we may listen and we, we just we we seek out opportunities and remember it is not quota based this is still a gentle and lowly in heart christ he wants to give us opportunities to walk with him if we are open to them so we see that we receive rest in discipleship we receive rest in uh uh, our calling, and then the third one is we find rest in service. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It is an easy yoke and a light burden which sounds almost like a paradox how can a burden something that is burdensome be light but it's interesting here because jesus doesn't offer to us freedom from yokes or freedom from burdens we'd actually in fact don't want no yoke because when you take a yoke completely off that's how your ox ends up in a ditch you want to have something with you to keep you safe because a yoke is not it can be used as a symbol of oppression we see throughout history that has been used for like some um dictatorships and stuff like that they refer to them as the yoke of whatever um it can be used as a symbol of oppression but it can also be used as a symbol of of help 
some yokes are actually made for people to use to be, carry heavy burdens like water jugs and, and some countries in, in history they would use these yokes to carry water jugs I'm still looking for one that has uh, car seat attachments but I haven't found them yet you see yokes can be a good thing we're not free from all yokes altogether we are actually called to take up a new yoke that is good. In fact, the word here that is light or is easy could be even uh, understood as kind. His yoke is easy and kind and good for us. And even in our service, even in our working and our plotting, these things can be good. I'm reminded of when I first bought a riding lawnmower. Took something that was burdensome and I would say just a broken system. Who pushes, like that's a bad system. To all of a sudden, I love it. It's my time to myself. I can put in headphones and listen to an audiobook and just, I cut the grass three or four times. It's awesome. It's a great time. Because one is a bad system and one is good. So what makes Jesus' yoke so easy and his burden so light? What is the difference between Jesus' law and the Old Testament law or, or, or the law of the Pharisees? Not just, the old, we do follow the Old Testament law, but the law of the Pharisees that was extrapolated on and, and built off of. What is so much better about Jesus' way than the way of works or, or doing it ourselves or or trying to earn it? Why is it so much better, Jesus' way, and the simple answer is Jesus. His yoke is easy and simple because of Jesus. He is gentle, as he has reminded us here. He understands us. He is patient. And he is always, always carrying that load with us. The Holy Spirit goes before us and makes us effective. He continues working after us. We are never alone when we are in service to Christ. See, service for Christ is not some obligation that we are held to. It's not like we're, our feet are over the fire, but it is a chance for us to serve alongside Christ in His work. To take part in the restoration of God's creation and build His kingdom. And that work is good and restful and kind and gentle. Even though it may be hard, we have Jesus to make it good. So how? We, we start small. We pray for opportunities. We seek out chances to serve and, and give our time. And we ask Christ for these opportunities. So as I finish up this morning, we are often in our culture reminded to work harder, to do more, to, to grind and, and work and go, go, go. And it's easy to transfer that cultural mindset into our walk with Christ and to think, I need to do more. I need to work harder. I need to strive and strive and strive. In my life, I know that's true. I know it is hard to quiet that voice that says, you didn't meet your quota this week. Or you didn't answer God when He led you. Or you didn't serve enough. But today, Jesus extends to us rest. 
He extends to us rest, not as a reward for our faith, but actually as a result of it. So I would like to extend that same kind of invitation. First of all, I want want to make clear there is no rest at all without Christ. Without salvation, the, the ultimate thing Christ is saying here is come to him to find rest for your broken brokenness and and sin find rest in christ for salvation so if if that is something you have not done this morning i would love to speak with you about how you can find rest this morning because i believe that if you call upon his name this morning right here right now you will find rest or maybe um you have been holding yourself to a quota that christ is not holding you to i would invite you either right where you are this altar will be open or, or later this week if you'd like to speak you can find rest this morning as well Finally, you might be looking for a church home. We would love to speak to you more about what it means to be a member of First Baptist. After this prayer, I would love for you to come and find rest. Let's pray.